If you have your Bibles, turn with us to the book of Luke. Uh, the book of Luke, chapter 23. We're going to look in a very familiar passage. And, and though this is the new year, it may not be a passage you would be expecting me to preach right now. You might would be thinking I'd wait till March or April to, to preach this passage. But I want you to just stay with us and see how this ties in to this Who's Your One. As today we're thinking about taking time for your one. Taking time for your one. We're going to look in verses 39 through 43 in chapter 23 in the book of Luke, in the gospel of Luke. Now, some of you, you may remember that old southern gospel song that Charlie Pride wrote and recorded many years ago. Uh, the chorus goes, uh, has words in it that says something like, he took the time. To die on the cross. So all our souls wouldn't be lost. If you find yourself slipping, the thing to do is take time out for Jesus. For he took time for you. And we remember that, don't we? Now, that's an old song I remember uh, singing as, as a child coming up through church that and it reminds me every time to be grateful for the fact that Jesus didn't give up on me and leave me right where I was at. He very well could have and he'd been in his right to just leave me alone. But instead, he took time out for me. And when, we, when I needed it, but didn't realize it. When I needed it, but didn't ask for it. When I needed it, and didn't want it, Jesus took time out for me. When we look in the gospel of Luke, we find that scripture bears witness that Jesus loves you so much that even when you're guilty, even when you don't deserve it, he'll take time out for you. If we look here in the passage, the Bible says in verse 39, through, in verses 39 through 43, it says, Then... One of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God? Seeing you are under the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you today, <laughs> you will be with me in paradise. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you for your word, the comfort and the encouragement that we receive from your word. We thank you for the love that bears witness that you have for us in your word. We thank you for the power that your word has in our lives. And God, we pray that you would move and minister this day upon each and every one of us. That God, you would speak to us. And as you do, help us to receive your word. For it is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So God, now use your word today 
in our lives and we'll praise you for what's accomplished. If there's one who don't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, we pray that today your word would penetrate their heart and they would call out, what must I do to be saved? That they would cry out, remember me, Lord. For God, we know that you are faithful. You're just to forgive them of their sins. You would cleanse them up from all their unrighteousness. So God, we're looking to you and trusting you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here in Luke's gospel, we find that Jesus has been nailed to an old rugged cross. Here he's hanging between two thieves. He's fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah 53 and 12, which says, and he will be numbered with the transgressors. When we consider all that Jesus had been through leading up to this moment, he was betrayed by one of his followers. He was arrested after praying so intensely that sweat fell as blood. He was falsely accused. He was illegally tried. He was beaten. And when they could not find any fault in him, they sentenced him to die and set a murderer free. He cried. He carried his cross up Galgotha's hill. He was nailed to it. He was suspended upon it between heaven and earth. And there on the cross between two thieves, He still took time for one. I remember clearly when I was lost. I remember clearly being dead in the trespass of my sin. I was guilty of my sin, but Jesus took time for me. Some of you here remember Back when you were lost. You remember when you were dead in the trespass of your sin. You remember when you were guilty. But Jesus took time for you. Man, if he did that for you, if he did that for me, he'd do it for anyone. And we see that just here in the text. Just to think about the only begotten son of God took time for us. It should move us to love the gospel, to live the gospel, to share the gospel. It should move us to have compassion. It should move us to have a desire to take time to pray for and to take time to have gospel conversations with those who are in a place where we once were separated from God by our sin. It should move us to take time for our one. But if we take time for our one, we need to be aware that taking time for our one may not always be convenient. When we look at what took place on the cross, we see one of the thieves acknowledge his guilt. And that he was receiving his just reward for his deeds. He also acknowledged that Jesus, the man in the middle, had done nothing wrong. And then he turned and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus 
has just gone through a painful and a humiliating series of events. A guard slapped Jesus during his trial before Annas, the high priest. He was mocked at his trial before Caiaphas. He was mocked at his trial before Herod. Pilate ordered that he be scourged or, or flogged. Pilate also ordered that he be put to death by crucifixion. Soldiers mocked him till they grew tired. He carried his cross up Galgotha's hill. He was hanging on a cross so we could clearly see at this moment it wasn't a convenient time for Jesus. You know, when you ever you schedule a doctor's visit, <laughs> it's often scheduled based upon what's convenient for the office. Times that they have available for you. And then you must choose an available time that's convenient for you based upon the options that they give you. But you know what is awfully evident in our lives? It's sickness doesn't always come around when it's convenient for you. It doesn't always come around when it's convenient for your doctor or the times that they have available in their office. There are times when unexpectedly you just need to see your doctor right away. You don't have an appointment, but you need to see a physician. You don't have an appointment, but you need care right away. It may not be convenient for you. It may not be convenient for your doctor. It may not even be convenient for his schedule but often it will be arranged for you to come in at the earliest time possible now if it's not you might need to get a new doctor but whether we realize it or not it's not always convenient to take time for our one it's possible that while you are fast asleep having a dream that you just don't want to end God wakes us up to pray for our one we may be sleepy tired and have a long day ahead of us but if we love the gospel we'll take time to pray it's possible that when we that that we we see our one or we encounter our one in a crowded store and it may not be the most convenient place to pray or have a gospel conversation but if we live the gospel, we'll take time to do it anyway. It, it's possible that after a long week of work, we've made plans for ourselves or plans for us and our families to, to get away, but we get a call. We may feel we deserve this time away. We deserve this time to focus on us or focus on our families. But when someone's reaching out for spiritual help, when someone's eternity is weighing in the ballast, we should take time to share the gospel with them. No, taking time with our one may not always be convenient. But when, when the gospel we love, the gospel we live, the gospel that we share is received... We would then gladly say it's worth the inconvenience. Hmm. Are y'all with me today? Well, I'm glad because I want you to also understand that not only taking time with our one is not always convenient, but it's not 
But taking our time with one's not always comfortable. Keep in mind, Jesus was up all day, all night. And the next morning around 9 a.m. with no sleep, somewhere around the third hour, according to Mark's gospel, he was nailed to the cross. So by the time in this text that we're at, which is somewhere around noontime, he's been on the cross close to three hours. You know, I think it would be safe to say that he was not comfortable. Death with crucifixion comes through suffocation. So when hanging on the cross, it's difficult to breathe. His feet is nailed to the cross, but he still has to find a way to press his feet against the cross to push himself up. I would say he was not comfortable. He couldn't use his arms because by three hours, his shoulders would be dislocated. I would say he was not comfortable. As a matter of fact, David penned the Messianic Psalm in Psalm 22 and the 14th verse saying, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. It would be safe to say he was not comfortable. He was stripped of all his clothes. Verse 34 says they divided his garments and cast lots for them. Uh, People stood around looking at him completely exposed. And there's his mother and there's his closest friends seeing him and, and, and just the way he is completely exposed to them. I would say he wasn't comfortable. While on the cross, one of the thieves, one of the thieves was blaspheming or cursing him you know as a Christian we don't like that as a Christian we don't like to even be around a lot of cursing as a Christian we would tell somebody would you please watch your language but you know even as a sinner I didn't want anybody cussing me I didn't want anybody cursing at me or my family I didn't want anybody questioning me and my father and, and cursing at me and, and so here we is here we see Jesus is being cursed at the whole time he's been on the cross by one standing beside him I would say he wasn't comfortable but still at a time that wasn't comfortable while one thief was cursing and rejected him another thief was receiving him and asked Lord remember me when you come into your kingdom you know I, I remember the very first time I come to this church it was the spring of 2003. It was during a revival service. I remember that service so well for a couple reasons. One reason, I remember this family start standing up at the back when it was time to sing. And when they, when they st stood up, they started singing. And when they got to the front and turned around and faced everyone, they were finished their song. And they sang another song. And then that third song, they sang their way back to their seat. Oh, ne I'd never seen that before in my life. I'll never forget that. But that's not the only thing that causes me to remember that night. One is because I was uncomfortable. 
I was green. I'd been preaching two years, really green in preaching. And here, here we find that, that while, he, while preaching here, Preacher Chester had told me, Hilton, now, uh, I want you to know our church is a little quiet. Well, I've got enough sense to look around. The church is in the midst of, of homes and, and farmland. And so I, I got enough sense to know that these are just down home, good country folk right around here. They may have, some may have an education, but they're, they're just country folk. Country folk really love to express themselves in worship. So I thought. Now, we're not the same church we were 19 years ago, <laughs> are we? We're not the same church. But then I was uncomfortable because there was no response to the preaching. As a matter of fact, I was so uncomfortable. The next night it was I was scheduled to preach in that revival, I brought folks from my home church. I invited them to come, and it was still quiet. And there wasn't much response to the message. Preacher Chester saw me a few days later and he said, Preacher, he said, our folks really enjoyed you being part of the service. <laughs> I said, how could you tell? <laughs> he said, his response was, I've been there long enough to know my folks and they really enjoyed you. I told you they were quiet and I'm enjoying the far out of it. Well, I, I told you I was green to preaching. I didn't know no better. But you know, when he told me that you received the message. Because it wasn't so much being quiet that made me uncomfortable. What made me uncomfortable was that I left not knowing if the message of the gospel that was preached was received or rejected. But when he told me that you had received the message, folks, it was worth it. It was worth coming here and it, be, and it being quiet. It was worth coming here and being uncomfortable because you had received the message. Well, I'm convinced that sharing the gospel we love, sharing the gospel that we try to live is not going to always be comfortable. You know, ministry itself is not comfortable. And to effectively do ministry, we have to get out of our comfort zone. Everyone will have to love, everyone will not love the gospel that we love. Every, and some will mock and curse the gospel that we try to live. And some will reject the gospel that we try to share. And if you commit to who's your one, you, you must remember that why you are choosing the one that you are choosing it's because they're lost. It's because they're far from God. It's because they don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And sinners should be expected to act like like sinners I remember when I was a sinner before I come to know Jesus as my savior I didn't want anyone coming to me I didn't want anyone sharing the gospel with me I'd been in church long enough to know what it took to be saved and I just didn't want to have to hear it from someone else but I'm so glad that someone shared the gospel with me Yes, there's a chance that initially 
Your one may reject the gospel, a gospel conversation with you. And if that happens, I encourage you, keep taking time to pray for them. Keep taking time when the opportunity presents itself to share a gospel or have a gospel conversation with them. Why? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ, according to Romans 1 and 16, is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. It just might be that through the gospel that you love, the gospel that you try to live, the gospel that you share, that your one may acknowledge that he or she is a sinner and that Jesus is Lord. They may, that one may cry out, Lord, remember me. And then not being comfortable will be worth it. Because when we take time for one, even when it's not convenient, when we take time for one, even when it's not comfortable, and they receive the gospel, there is a celebration. To the, to the thief who received Jesus as Lord, to the thief who cried out, remember me, Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you today, not tomorrow, today, not next week, today you shall be with me in paradise. I want you to understand if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can be saved and eternal life will be given to you. Not tomorrow, not yesterday, not down the road sometime, but the moment you call upon Jesus' name, he will give you eternal life. I'm not waiting to die to live forever. I'm going to live forever for death has passed me. I won't die. This physical body may go back to the dust of the ground, but I'm going to live for all eternity. It may not be looking like I look now, but this isn't the real me. To get to know me is to get to know the soul of me and the soul of me will always be alive. I'm so glad that God has fixed it in a way that we can call out to him. And if we're sincere, he'll receive us and give us our assurance of eternal life right then and there. While hanging on a cross, Jesus took time for one. It wasn't a convenient time. It wasn't a comfortable time, but he took time for one who received him and that one received everlasting life. Let me encourage every born again believer in here today. Take time to pray for your one. Take time to have gospel conversations with your one. Because it just might be you standing between them and eternal life. Or them and eternal condemnation. Even when it's not convenient. Even when it's not comfortable. Take time. For Jesus took time for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal savior, I would love to have a gospel conversation with you right now. Jesus, the very son of God, left the portals of glory. He come to this sin-cursed earth through a woman 
coming through a woman who had never known a man. Virgin born, he come to this world. He lived a sinless life. Before that, they spat upon him. They poured the hair out of his face. They pressed the crown of thorns upon his head. And they nailed him to a cross. Between heaven and earth, he cried out to his father, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He cried out because it was dark for three hours. His father had to turn his back upon him so that he could present us to the father. He gave his life. He poured out his blood for the forgiveness of our sin. They laid him in a borrowed tomb. But on the third day, he arose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And he gives us a hope for a better tomorrow. But that's not the end of the gospel. Because Jesus is coming back to receive those who know him as Lord and Savior. He has the book. He knows who belongs to him. He loves you so much that he died for your sin so you wouldn't have to. He gave his life for you. So if you're willing to acknowledge that you are a sinner and that death is your just reward, if you will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord and you ask him to forgive you of your sins and surrender your life to him, making him your Lord and Savior today, immediately you can receive eternal life. And we'll have a celebration <laughs> among the saints of God in this place. But more than that, there'll be a celebration among the angels in heaven for the one who was lost that is now found. As they begin to sing this song, is there one who's ready to receive Jesus? Or are you going to be like the other thief and reject him? Is there one?